0: Welcome to the Fantasy NBA Today podcast. We got data, people. That's what you come for. Or maybe you don't, I don't know. Come for the data, stay for the dumb dad jokes. That's how we roll here on Fantasy NBA Today. What's happening, everybody? It's the hell day is Thursday. It's Thursday. We got one more this week after this one. Whew! Deep breath. Deep breath. Yesterday's show was a conversation from me to me with me on handling this this uh, crush of injuries happening now. In addition to protocol stuff, and it was brought up on Twitter. And I'm an idiot because I never write down the very smart things that that people do say say to me sometimes. Uh, and the point was made. That on yesterday's show, I talked about how you could sort of just glaze over when your team gets crushed with injuries or you can get real cutthroat with it. Another option that was brought up was trading, which I didn't bring up on yesterday's show. And that's an oversight on my part uh, for a couple of reasons. Number one, the first thought that I had was, look, if, if someone's injured for whatever it is, call it a two-week injury. That's, that's like the COVID number these days. By the time you find a trade partner and execute the trade and then wait the annoying waiting period that most leagues have, you're probably halfway through the the time you got off. At that point, you might as well just glaze over for the other week. But if it's a longer-term injury, someone like, say, a Bam Adebayo a few weeks back, although I guess the problem there is that there weren't many guys out when he got hurt. He was one of the first. But let's say that you lost Dame this last week, week ago, or whatever the whenever this rest process started, then rolled into the surgery, if you already had four guys out, and Dame was your fifth, that's a spot where you're like, look, I think I probably have to trade this dude. I don't know what you're going to get for him right now. Probably not much, but that is another option on the table. Today, I wanted to pivot to a different player that I haven't covered all that much, mostly because I don't think we know what's going to happen with him, so... Let me talk to you for a minute about Paul George, today's podcast. We'll obviously go over yesterday's results. Don't worry. We got box score review to get into. But let me talk to you for a minute about Paul George, who's out with uh, elbow ligament issues. And we don't really know if or when he might be coming back. He's going to be reevaluated after about a month from when they shut him down. And if things are not improving then I believe Tommy John surgery would be an option there. I think it's the UCL that he's dealing with. But regardless of of what specifically the problem is for Paul George, there are two very distinct paths that the rest of his season might take. One of them is he comes back, and he's mostly Paul George again after that point. The other one is he doesn't. And you end up with next to nothing for someone you effectively used your first or turn pick on. So the only thing that I can say, at least on the injury front, is I don't really know. I don't know when he's coming back. I don't know if he's coming back. I'm not in the Clippers locker room. I'm not part of their athletic trainer team. We have no tea leaves to read because there have been no updates on him since he went down. The only thing we can do as NBA fans, as fantasy analysts, is to look at the standings and try to make a guess of, okay, well, how much will he want to come back? And I think the answer to that is a decent amount. There are a top nine in the Western Conference that, as of right now, are pretty safely making the playoffs in some capacity. It might be play-in tournament level, which is where the Clippers are at. They are the front end of the play-in tournament at the moment, but they're only a half game back of the Nuggets, game and a half back of the Mavericks, who seem, by the way, to be uh, maybe one click above some of those other teams now, along with the Lakers, the Wolves, are on the other side of the Clippers. There's a, a chunk of teams that are probably all going to be in the playoffs, and then it's kind of a matter of where they might be. The problem, of course, is that Paul George, the desire to return and make a playoff run, probably hinges at least a little bit on whether or not Kawhi Leonard is getting back to make a playar- uh, a playoff run. if he's getting close you might see Paul George push a little harder but does that mean that he needs to get back right away clippers are 4 and 6 in the last 10 ball games they've been relatively ugly but they've managed to to squeeze out a handful of wins in that mix and at the moment that isn't moving them any closer to missing the playoffs that is to say all of the teams right now and the blazers at the at the moment are the 10 seed So if you look at the Kings in the 11th seed, who did just beat the Lakers yesterday, their game back of the Blazers, but they're four and a half back of the Wolves, five of the Lakers, five of the Clippers, and they're four and six their last 10 games. Spurs are two and eight. Pelicans have gained a game on some of these other teams, but they're still pretty far back. So even if Paul George, whatever the reevaluation date might be, another week, two weeks, whatever the, the timeline was allowing, the dude hasn't played Dude did not play much basketball in the last little bit. Whatever it is, one week, two week, three weeks, it's probably still too early to know if Kawhi Leonard is going to get back for a playoff run. And it's almost so early that the Clippers can probably look at their calendar and say, well, we could hold him out a little bit longer and we'll probably still make the play-in tournament at the very least. Paul George's last game was December 22nd. He only played two games after resting from the 6th to the 20th. So we're about three weeks into his shutdown, right, roughly, give or take. I think it's three weeks and a day. I think they were going to reevaluate him in about four-week mark when the first report came out, maybe to be more like five. Whatever. If we're, if we're really talking about next week or the week after that, Clippers are not going to be in jeopardy of falling behind the Kings and out of the play-in tournament in a week or two weeks even, especially if they keep winning about half of their ball games. Kings are probably also going to win about half of their ball games. Something dramatic would have to happen for the Clippers to be in any kind of fear spot in the next 10 days. A month from now, yeah, they could be in a fear spot if the Clippers go 4 and 6 for another 10 games, then four and six for another 10 games after that. And you're like a month and change from this one. You know, they've gone eight and 12. Let's say the Blazers have been middling. I don't know the Pelicans, maybe the Pelicans make a move. They try to pick up some victories. They go 12 and eight all of a sudden, which I mean, I don't expect them to do it, but you never know. Kings could get hot. I doubt it. Spurs could get hot. I doubt there's a lot of, I doubt it's there, but let's say one of those teams has a slightly decent month. And they go roughly twelve and eight over a little over a month of, of basketball. All of a sudden, the Pelicans now would only be about a game and a half, roughly, back of the Clippers. So then there's a fear moment. Then it's like, okay, well, Paul, if you're coming back, we need you now. We can't be going four and six in our next ten. It needs to be six and four. Kawhi might still be a month away, but someone's got to keep us afloat. To that end, this, by the way, this is the the deep tea leaf reading, tea leaf read that we're trying to do here. This might all be completely wrong, too. It's just to say there's no harm in them holding him out a little bit longer if he's not quite right yet because they're not in any danger yet. And at the same time, it does buy them more time to figure out if Kawhi's coming back. If we wait another month on Paul George and the news on Kawhi is still he's a ways off, Clippers might just punt on this year. All that to say, it's probably like a 30% chance Paul George plays... Shortly after this first eval, probably a larger chance he doesn't. And I think the community at large, the way they feel about PG, reflects that fear. That the data just out there on the paper, which again, we're, we're guessing a little bit, but all the things we just talked about lead to a conclusion of, why rush him? The standings don't say we need to rush. Kawhi says we don't need to rush his status. And presumably, he won't be 100% healthy in a week. I doubt it, at least. I'm sure he misses basketball, but this is a business decision, too. So, we did our four polls late last night. I threw them up before I went to bed, which is just the absolute worst time to do a poll overnight. But we got enough votes, I think, to where the sample size will be okay. On the head-to-head side, we got about 300 ish votes per poll on the Roto side. We got about 150 to 200 votes per poll. Yes, if I did it in the middle of the day, that number would have been higher, but you know what? I don't care. We got enough to go on. We're going to start on the Roto side because as usual, Roto games cap leagues are easier to make a, a decision on. Generally, teams are okay with sitting on a guy. Because of that, it's usually harder to buy an injured player and easier to sell an injured player. So the first poll was, for those that are trying to sell, trying to get rid of Paul George, what is the lowest ranked player you'd take back? And the largest result, I did the first two rounds, second two rounds, fifth round, and then anything outside of the the fifth round. Uh, Biggest result was actually third, fourth rounder which is, I think, pretty reasonable. But that's roto players saying, I, I need something decent back because squatting on this dude isn't that hard. Outside the top 60, I actually got 30%. So a lot of folks are like, look, I'll take whatever at this point. 49 to 60, the fifth round was pretty small at 17%. And the first two rounds... At 17%, at a glance, seems kind of small. But I think it's also worth comparing that to what we get on the head-to-head side. Head-to-head managers that are thinking about trading away Paul George, by and large, believe it or not, are looking for, I should say it's almost a little bit more evenly split. Although the third, fourth round ended up being the big one. That was about 40%. So even on head-to-head, folks are expecting a fourth rounder, third, fourth rounder. Uh, First two rounds down by about two percentage points compared to Roto. So there's a a smaller... I think there's more of an acceptance among head-to-head managers. You're not going to get a first or second rounder for Paul George right now. And outside the top 60 was a lot smaller. That surprised the heck out of me. I have no... Reasonable explanation for that. I might just chalk it up to the sample size thing. But I would have thought that head-to-head managers would have been more likely to take back less. As it turns out, if you look at kind of the way this thing chunks out, yes, uh, head-to-head managers were oddly less willing to part with him for the very low-valued guys, but more willing to part with Paul George for the third, fourth, or fifth rounder it got clustered a bit in that three-round block. About 62% of respondents said that they would take a third, fourth, or fifth rounder back, whereas in Roto, that number was actually only 53%. That's a pretty significant drop-off, with two extra on the front end and then eight extra percentage points on the back end of what Roto folks will be willing to sell for. Opposite side of the ledger, what about what someone willing to give up for Paul George. Roto Games cap managers uh, basically just said, we're not giving you a first or second rounder. Something else is on the table. 30%, 31, sorry, said uh, third or fourth rounder. 24% said a fifth rounder. And 35% said anyone back of a fifth rounder. I got bad news for that last one. You're probably not going to get Paul George for someone outside uh, of, the fifth, of the fifth round. Over on the head to head side, what's the highest ranked player you'd give up to obtain Paul George? Only 6.5% said first two rounds. That's the smallest result of any poll uh, outcome of the 16 outcomes we've talked about so far. So head to head managers, they don't want nothing to do with the guy who's out and might be out the rest of the way. 31% said third or fourth rounder, 39% said fifth rounder. And only 24% said uh, outside the, the top five rounds, so outside the top 60 in 12-teamers. That's kind of how I did it. 12-teamers, that's the easiest way to break this thing down. Uh, what this tells us is that most folks are willing to go above the top 60 on the head-to-head side which is really interesting. It's almost as though folks are are taking this data and saying, "We think Paul George comes back just not yet. Like we think he's going to be out longer, but we think he's going to be around at a pivotal juncture later in the year." We'll give you a fifth rounder. Which is odd because over on the Roto side, again, and and I wonder if you know, maybe the overnight Roto folks were feeling particularly irritated Uh, The fact that 35% 35 said that outside the top 60 was the highest they'd go on the roto side where 24% on the head-to-head. Most head-to-head folks are willing to pay a little bit more. But, once again, the head-to-head folks also said no way to going into that first two rounds. That's, That's a consistent one. On the roto side, it was 10%. Considered the first two rounds head to head, six and a half. Really, nobody. Ten percent is also quite small, but that's that's a a change that we expected. Now, if we really wanted to dig farther on this, we could break it down into smaller runs of numbers. Like, okay, we accept that no one's going to give up a first or second rounder, but where does it fall in between third and fourth round? Can we narrow it down a little bit tighter? Yeah, that's probably worth doing if we are really going to hone in on this thing. But I think what we can take away from looking, and this is where you want to compare the formats, basically. Roto Games cap, we learned that uh, folks that are selling on Paul George are basically expecting a third or fourth rounder back. Roto Games cap folks that are attempting to purchase on Paul George are actually willing to go into that range. My guess would be more towards the back end. So that tells me, if you're in a Roto Games cap league and you want to move Paul George, someone between 35 and 50 probably still gets it done. Roughly a third of the time. And if you went one round farther, if you add in that fifth round to the mix, then you're basically talking about a 53% of leagues have kind of agreed that the buy-sell price for Paul George is a third, fourth, or fifth rounder. Somewhere between 25 and 60. That's a big window. I get it. You know, narrowing that down is something. It takes a little bit of time, but if you have, say, I don't know, looking at Gordon Hayward is number 53. That might get it done in some leagues. Do you need to go higher? Terry Rozier at 42. That would probably get it done. Desmond Bain, he's 43. There's might not maybe enough Name value there. Jalen Brown would get it done. DeAndre Ayton would probably get it done. I don't think I'd go higher than that on the buy side. On the head-to-head side of the ledger, uh, those selling on Paul George are still expecting a third, roughly, or fourth-rounder back. Those buying on Paul George are looking to spend closer to a fifth-rounder. So it's head-to-head leagues where there's a little bit of a disconnect. You're going to have to come meet in the middle, head-to-head trade partners at probably a fourth-round valuation, so somewhere between 37 and 48. That's probably what it's going to take. You know, in Roto, there's a chance uh, it would cost a little bit more. You might need to go as high as, I don't know, OG at 37, or uh, Jonas Valanciunas at 33, DeMar DeRozan at 34. You might need to go a little higher on the Roto side, whereas head-to-head, some of the names I just dropped a minute ago – Those are probably the guys you're looking at. Jalen Brown is 46. That might be the perfect head-to-head match. And I get it. You're like, I want to trade for Paul George, but I only want to give up Evan Mobley. Or I only want to give up uh, Chris Middleton or Gordon Hayward. It might not be enough. Because as we just learned from these polls, those that are trading him away in head-to-head, or Roto, really, both are expecting third or fourth rounders to come back. The difference is that on the Roto side, those buying on Paul George are fully aware, like, yeah, we get it, you're going to want a third or fourth rounder back, we're going to try to sell you on a fourth rounder, and on head-to-head side, they're like, yeah, we know you want a third or fourth rounder, but we're giving you a fifth, so you better come down towards us, or this ain't happening. All right, that's your Paul George breakdown, 19 minutes on Paul George, what a weird way to start a podcast. Uh, Hey, everybody, welcome to Fantasy NBA Today. I'm your host, Dan Bespris. You can follow me on Twitter at DanBespris. And uh, not that it matters at all, but um, I hit 9,300 Twitter follows today. And saying the number out loud is a perfect way to guarantee that you lose five followers. It happens without fail every single time. But hey, if you want to be part of the fun, would love to have you. I've become weirdly addicted to it. It was not by design. That's what I always say about my... Becoming a guy who wears hats—I never wanted to be a hat guy, but then male pattern baldness happened, and here we are. I never meant to be the Twitter guy, um, and yet now I'm a Twitter guy. Whatever. Hey, while you're floating around across the interwebs and you're following me on Twitter, you should also follow Ethos Fantasy B K, the single greatest fantasy NBA news feed on planet freaking Earth. I've noticed that a lot of you have actually taken my advice and done it, and I know you're better fantasy players for it. Also, this is a big week for ExpressVPN and our partnership with them. Make sure to check out expressvpn.com forward slash hoopball and protect your privacy, as they say. Protect it. Because, look, here's the thing. You need a VPN. One. Protect your information from your ISP, because they're selling it. Two, if you ever use a wireless network that's not your own house, hackers can infiltrate and sell your information for up to $1,000 a pop. Just personal info on the dark web. All you got to do is sign on a Wi-Fi network at a hotel. That's a place you need a VPN. You need a VPN if you're trying to watch streaming services, so folks don't know exactly what you're streaming, and you can be in different locations. Using the internet without ExpressVPN is like leaving... The keys to your car in the middle, just sitting there on the console while you walk into an AMPM. You wouldn't do that. You'd take them with you. Why don't we do that on the internet? I really don't know. ExpressVPN.com slash hoopball is the special URL. Make sure to use that. When you sign up for a year, the yearly membership, you get three extra months. So it's 15 months for the price of 12. Only at expressvpn.com slash HoopBall. Make sure to use that special URL to get the bonus. And a big thank you to those guys for setting us up with an ExpressVPN account here at HoopBall as well. I have used it, and I feel safer and happier because of it. Some results. By the way, there's been a really big push for us to talk about stashing more. I think the trade deadline being within that one-month window, that's the moment. Uh, We'll try to sit up a few shows on that, on those topics for next week. I know we did a little bit with Adam Tuesday, and uh, we'll get some more of those going next week. One of our buddies, uh, Jonas Nader, is a big-time stash monster. So I'll try to get him on the pot. I'm sure he's got a few tricks up his sleeve. As far as yesterday goes, a uh, medium-big Wednesday, nine-game card. Boston at Indiana. Uh, no Marcus Smart. Dennis Schroeder did his thing. That's what happens when one of the main three guys for the Celtics is out. I don't trust Schroeder in a Roto Games cap. I know he had a good ball game here, good shooting. That was a big part of it. Hit some three-pointers. He's more of a schedule stream. Oh, Indiana. Malcolm Brogdon came back, played 17 minutes, and left with a sore Achilles again. I don't know if he's playing again this season, guys. I, I don't... I'm a little doom and gloom there. I get it. Maybe I shouldn't be, but to try repeatedly to come back from this thing, and it's just not happening. We, I mean, you can't drop him until somebody says something. I just, I think the writing's on the wall there. We'll see. Charlotte beat Philadelphia, snapped a little winning streak for the Sixers. Big game for Gordon Hayward. That vaulted him about a full round up the rank board. And the Hornets look pretty good lately doing it with a balanced attack that's not as LaMelo ball-centric as at the start of the year. By the way, it's very easy to forget where the Hornets are. They're 23-19, and having a pretty good season, 7th seed in the East. I'm sure they'd love to get past the Cavs and out of the play-in tournament. The East is pretty good and pretty balanced this year. I mean, the Celtics and the Knicks are tied for the last play-in spot. That's a lot of teams over 500, 11 in the East, only eight in the Western Conference. Now, the top of the Western Conference is a bit heavier than the East. Everybody's bunched together those first 11 seeds. Uh, but the East is better this season. They're not. It's not it's not the the runover that it's been for many years there that things are finally leveling off. I don't know why I got on that, that little sidetrack. It is worth mentioning, though, that LaMelo Ball now is outside the first round. He's number 13 after sitting in that 5, 6, 7 range for a while. You know, 88% still at the free throw line. Things have just come down a little bit. He doesn't need to take 20 shots a ball a game. 14, 15, 16, something in that range. As the usage comes off a little, so too does the value. That's not to say that he's not still having a great season. It's just that things have a way of leveling. That's all. They level over the course of a long year. Terry Rozier's been awesome after a slow start. Just enjoy it. I don't think you're going to get good enough value if you were thinking about trying to trade him away. Miles Bridges continues to be really good. He's a third rounder, even after the drop-off. That's, I think, better than we all expected. Uh, So, cool. Yeah, cool stuff. Cody Martin, perfect off the bench here. Low usage, but still probably schedule streamable with Kelly Oubre in protocols. On the Philly side, I am now a bit worried about Matisse Thybul. He played just 16 minutes here with Tyrese Maxey back. That sort of wedged all of the guards and wings into one bucket, whereas they were sort of sharing two buckets for a little bit. But Maxey now took all the point guard minutes, and Seth Curry's going to take all the shooting guard minutes, which means Ferkin Korkmaz, Matisse Thybul, Danny Green are basically all fighting for backup shooting guard and then whatever is available at small forward. And George Niang might be involved in that as well. I think you can probably dump all of those guys. Green, Daibel, Niang, Korkmaz, whoever. So you probably just go to four of the Phillies starters at this point. Orlando was without their big man, No Mo Bamba, who apparently is on the trade block. No Wendell Carter Jr., so Robin Lopez double-doubled in 31 minutes. He'd be a good fill-in if both of those guys are out again. Although the safer play when the big men are out is Chuma Okiki, because he gets to start and play big power-forward minutes, and we know he can just go buck wild in the steals department. I would say it's worth adding Okiki, especially in the Roto side. If there's no moves limit, just to kind of see whether or not he gets another opportunity to start. And I still can't figure out how I got so many Terrence Ross shares across my various leagues. I have so many Terrence Rosses. He's actually been really, really good for the last month, and no one's paying attention at all. Over his last month, which I realized did, you know, there were some games off in there. He missed the second half of December, so his last month is really only about six or seven ball games. But over that stretch, and even a few games before it, Terrence Ross is averaging over 20 points a game, five boards, three assists, two three-pointers. He's always been a really good free-throw guy. And a field goal percent is a little bit high, but not like the massive mean reversion. He's at 46 and change percent. That'll come down to like 43, but it's not like he's at 60% with a huge drop-off coming. He's getting a ton of shots. This is great. This is what we expected from T. Ross after the trade deadline last year when they sent everybody away and he was just, yeah you know, he sort of rested down the stretch. So, he I mean, he, he's an all-formats guy right now. And I cannot figure why there isn't more excitement around what he's done. I think it's probably just because it tends to flame out. And it might again. But, you know, we're talking about a 10-game about a sample size now. And if you can keep getting 10 games of top 50 production out of a guy, it doesn't matter when it ends. You do it. Thomas Bryant played 12 minutes in his return for the Wizards. That left Daniel Gafford with only 16 and Montrez Harrell with 21. I'm guessing all three of those guys end up on waiver wires. That's the way it's looking. I think you hold Gafford a little bit longer because he can do it in 19 minutes. I mean, hell, even this line was not that awful. Four for four from the field, couple of blocks. Salvaged I know the counting stats weren't there. Kuzma's a start. Dinwiddie's a start. KCP is a start. It wasn't quite as good here, but he's definitely a go. Uh, and Washington has a lot of guys that are sort of interesting. With Bradley Beal out for a week and change now, but keep an eye on that center stuff. That's that's a trouble spot. Dallas didn't show up for this ball game. We can probably throw this one out. Wouldn't worry too much about it. Kristaps Porzingis still dealing with COVID after effects. Hopefully, he'll be back soon lands Noel came back for the Knicks who also made a trade today. I thought about talking about that at the opening of the show and then I thought meh we'll just talk about it when we get there. the Knicks acquired Cam Reddish from the Atlanta Hawks now uh for the Knicks there's a few things to discuss here number one with Nlin Noel back, I'm actually adding him because he played 21 minutes off the bench and 21 minutes actually does tend to be enough for Newlands historically although it has been tougher to come by any shots in the Knicks' offense. Mitchell Robinson, as the starter, is a guy that most likely does need to remain on your team. He had one of his better games of the season here. His blocks have been a little better the last couple of days. Is that the opponent? Maybe. Hopefully it trends into something else. R.J. Barrett's had a few hot ones. Don't worry about it if you're in a category league. And Alec Burks, who got the start, had another solid ball game, but... This is where things get a little bit clunky. Kemba Walker is supposed to come back at some point, and now the Knicks just traded for Cam Reddish without giving up any of those guys. And, by the way, Derek Rose might show up again at some point. So there is a potential clutter happening in New York, and we don't really know how it's all going to shake out. Our best guess from the fantasy analyst side is Cam Reddish gets in, Either he wins Tom Thibodeau over, or he doesn't. And if he does, he might just take Evan Fournier's 30 minutes. It's quite conceivable. Or Alec Burks' 30 minutes. Very possible. It's also possible he comes in and gets 20 minutes off the bench. Knicks found a way to get a little more scoring pop off their bench. For now, you hold Alec Burks. You were never picking up Evan Fournier anyway. And you add Cam Reddish just to see what happens. So yes, I think Nerlens Noel is probably worth the spot. Uh, Mitchell Robinson, yes. Burks for now, and Reddish also for now. Miami smoked Atlanta. The Hawks have serious problems at the moment, uh, but DeAndre Hunter for one day was not one of them. Um, I liked that he took eleven shots in twenty-four minutes. I don't like the fact that he he really isn't doing anything besides shooting this season. It's nice to see him back. That was good news. But he sort of, after last year, we saw some really nice percentages, some really good scoring numbers. He was grabbing a few rebounds. This season, and you know we'll see if coming back from injury, things level off a little bit. He just hasn't rebounded at all. The steals and blocks haven't been there. He's not a big-time three-point shooter, but there's some, I guess, so we're not going to ding him on that one. But he's basically turned himself into a I'm going to do it with percentages and points. And it's really hard to be good at fantasy when you're only doing three categories. Four, if you count the fact that he's probably not going to turn it over. So no, I'm not racing out to pick him up. With the reddish trade, Bogdan Bogdanovich probably slots into a much safer position as the other guy you can utilize. And as far as Aniko Kangu goes, 0 for 4 at the free throw line is abysmal, but if he makes his free throws, we're talking about how this was actually not that horrible of a ball game. That's the difference. He made all three of his shots from the field, generally been a decent percentages guy this season so far, and he's racked up pretty good numbers. So keep rolling him out there as long as Clint Capella is out, and don't worry too much about it. On the Miami side, Dwayne Dedman came back, played 18 minutes. I do wonder how the Deadman yurtsevin thing shakes out. Yurtsevin got through with a good fantasy line. But every time you start either of those guys, right now, you're kind of rolling the dice that the roles aren't going to shift. And they very well might. Maybe, just maybe, someday, we'll see Jimmy Butler again. Houston beat San Antonio on the road. This is the Eric Gordon game. Good gravy. Christian Wood is basically the only rocket I'm touching. I know I mentioned Jalen Green. It's, it's probably a better fit for points leagues right now. He's... he's Getting a bunch of shots, not making that many of them. I do still think that he does get better. Every two weeks or so, he's going to get better. This is kind of that active stash thing that makes more sense on the head-to-head side. For the Spurs, uh, Devin Vassell came back. If he ramps up into a starter spot, that'd be swell. Swell Vassell. As soon as you see him with a starters tag, you pick him up. Until then, DeJounte Murray, Jakob Pirtle, Derek White are the guys that are a go. I know Bryn Forbes had a good ball game, but I don't care. We just wait on White. Derek White should be back, I think, for the next one. Cleveland beat Utah. Jazz are a mess without Rudy Gobert. That's where we're at there. Start Royce O'Neal. As long as Gobert and Whiteside are out, he's effectively playing center for the Jazz, which is rad because that means more rebounds, more defensive stats, however long it takes. I think we probably get Gobert back somewhat soon and then the whole thing comes crashing down but again from the roto side if you can squeeze one or two games out of a guy you do it so Royce O'Neal is that guy on the jazz right now Cleveland they're a predictable lot at the very least Rajon Rondo out with a sore hamstring he was the guy we were keeping tabs on otherwise I know Lamar Stevens had a big game but I don't really care about that and Garland love Allen Mobley pretty easy there Kings beat the Lakers, shooting 55% from the field. Lakers' defense was was truly bad. I didn't want to put it out on Twitter because I didn't really want to start a fight, but LeBron didn't close out on anyone yesterday. He looks gassed, and he looks like someone who's expending all of his energy in offense. 34 points is nice, but 29 shots to get there is not so nice. This just wasn't a very good game for LeBron, even though the box score might tell you otherwise. Everyone's going to be talking about how Russ was terrible, and he was, shot the ball horrifically, Um, LeBron was a minus 12. Russ was a minus 7. I know that it doesn't tell the whole story, um, but the Lakers were worse when LeBron was on the court in yesterday's ballgame. I don't know why no one is talking about that. They had their little runs. They opened up the bigger lead when it was Russ leading the team. It was a bunch of guys fighting. Malik Monk, Austin Reeves, Stanley Johnson, Dwight Howard were out there for stretches. Avery Bradley. These guys were just fighting not that monk monk was a minus 14 although he the real note i thought was dwight howard he played really well he was a plus nine in his 15 minutes they just didn't give him enough i thought the lakers played their hand kind of dumb that falls on frank vogel he should have seen what i could see i'm an idiot and i saw it on tv i was like look these guys are not fighting half the team isn't fighting right now dwight howard was fighting get someone out there who's gonna gonna battle austin reeves was battling he was break even. He played 28 minutes. Plus minus was 0 in a game his team lost by 9. Dwight plus 9. Wayne Ellington was plus 12, but that really that yeah, that meant that meant nothing. Stanley Johnson plus 3. Get the guys out there that were fighting. Who cares if you bruise an ego for one night? I know you got to play Braun 39 minutes, but do you? If he's as gassed as he... I know they had a couple days off, too. Uh, you you guys know me. I watch Laker games. I get a little caught up in them. Very pragmatic fantasy player. Aren't you all glad we picked up Malik Monk? I think we were pretty early on that one. That's a good one for us. That's a good one. Keep rolling with Malik, LeBron, and uh, that's it. <laughs> Sorry, Russ. Sorry. Kingside, Rashawn Holmes getting closer. He's still day-to-day. Uh, Shamezi Metu got the start at center. He was quite good. Um, if someone were to come up to me and say he was going to play 30 minutes a game, I would definitely pick him up. And our very own Aaron Bruschi, uh tweeted out a report that the Kings, or a uh, rumor, I should say, that the Kings are looking to move Harrison Barnes, Marvin Bagley, and even maybe some of the core guys, which everyone's talking about who to stash going into the trade deadline. Metu could be a really interesting name. If, let's say, Barnes and Holmes got moved, Meitu would play a ton. If Bagley and Barnes get moved, I think Mateo would still play a pretty good chunk. He's a guy you could squat on. I guess maybe too far out right now, trade deadline almost a full month away, but that's a big name to watch closely. By the way, good to see Harrison Barnes have a better ball game again. And then Brooklyn-Chicago ended up with the late slot, and uh, James Harden dunked on him. 25-7-16. and 16. So much for that by-low window, huh? Harden back up to uh, number 8 per game in 9-cat. KD was brilliant once again. Uh, he's number 3 in 9-cat. But then the Nets are resting everybody. They got a game against Oklahoma City except Harden. This should be a real interesting one for him. On that Chicago side, they're still waiting on poor Alex Caruso. He's a guy I think you could get kind of on the cheap Someone mentioned that he got dropped. I think I talked about it on Twitter. Caruso got dropped. If Caruso got dropped, you pick him up. If he didn't get dropped, go see if you can get him for, I don't know, like Andrew Wiggins, Buddy Heald, guys in that 95 to 105 range, Larry Markkinen, Herb Jones. People have been gushing over Herb. Tyler Hero, who's been obviously a lot better with no Jimmy Butler. That's a bet that Butler somehow plays along the way. Probably not going to get him. Jordan Poole's been trending down. Will Barton? I'd throw Will Barton at Alex Caruso. Franz Wagner? Although he might get better in the second half. That one, maybe throw that one out. Friends, I want to thank all of you guys for checking out uh, our pals at Manscaped and my bookie. but I do want to remind you here, towards the end of the program today, of our partnership with the good folks at thrivefantasy.com. I'm not going to inundate you with the deal, because you've heard me talk about that a thousand times. I'm going to tell you to use the promo code ethos, E-T-H-O-S, ethos, E-T-H-O-S, to get the deal. But I'm basically just going to say, go check it out. We've won you way more than $10 with this podcast, so all I'm asking you to do is open up an account, put $10 in it, and screw around with it because you get the extra 10 deposit match. You get the two $20 contest vouchers. Screw around. Maybe you win some money. You can cash out if you want after that. Take your $10 bucks, if you can turn it into $15, $20, whatever. Cash out. Tell me about it. I'd love to spread the story. Spread the good story of everybody winning prop bet money with us over at thrivefantasy.com using promo code ethos they're really fun to work with it's a super fun website check it out that's it I'm just asking you guys to check it out super easy ThriveFantasy.com or the thrive fantasy app promo code once again is ethos and that is your thursday show uh i may have some my bookie prizes by the way another reason to follow me on twitter make sure you get that and we're into recruiting season here this is the best time to do it Because we ask that anybody that comes aboard as a recruit can make it through to the end of the season, guess what? You're halfway through. Wicked awesome, right? Oh, by the way, uh, no, that's not right. Someone made a joke that James Harden was going to be out. He's not out. The joke was that he was going to be dealing with Lou Dort. Nope. Nope, almost got tricked at the end of the podcast. You guys can't get me on Twitter. I'm too sharp. As my dad used to say, "Mind like a steel sieve. But at least it's made out of steel. Have a great Thursday, everybody. I'm Dan Vespers at D-A-N-B-E-S-B-R-I-S. Hey, uh, drop a five-star review on the pod. I think we're at 750 now. 800, next goal. Let's see if we can get there. Maybe I'll even drop a prize on somebody. What do you guys think about that? Contest time? Ah, eh, why the hell not? Let's do a contest. Not on the show. Contest is on social media. Follow Ethos Fantasy BK and at Dan Bespris so you guys know when the contest is coming. Because I don't even know when it's coming. I got to come up with it first. Tomorrow, we'll recap the week. Get you set for the weekend. Rest my voice a little bit. See if we can all hang on here. Fantasy wacky season all year long. Later.